Star Wars 7x7 episode 1904 today. We are looking at the final stories in Star Wars Myths and Fables by George Mann, and all three of the stories we're going to talk about today have connections to other Star Wars stories. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. So yeah, we are at the final three stories in Myths and Fables. And as with the previous two episodes, this is a spoiler episode. So if you have not read these stories and don't want them spoiled for you, then save this show for a later date. Otherwise, if you're okay with me diving into the details of Vengeful Waves and The Witch and the Wookiee and Gaze of Stone, well then, let's dig in. First of all, I'll tell you that Gaze of Stone we'll talk about after the break, not just yet. <laughs> we'll start off with Vengeful Waves. I said at the top that each of these stories ties in to another Star Wars story that's out there, and in this particular case, it's to a Choose Your Own Destiny book. That's one of the Choose Your Own Adventure style books that's been written. This one featuring Obi-Wan and Anakin and written by Kevin Scott. And in that story, Obi-Wan and Anakin travel to Glee Anselm where they encounter the Anselmi people who are really having a tough time of it surviving and so on and so forth. And all they've heard from Kit Fisto, who is also from Glee Anselm and is an Atollan, is that the Anselmi people are little more than savages and they used to live on land, but their land sunk to the seabed a millennia ago. Well, the reason that happened is told in the Vengeful Waves story, where basically the Anselmi and the Natolans lived in harmony until the Anselmi started to look at the uh, grass on the other side of the line and think, oh yeah, it's kind of greener over there, we want it, and started getting greedy, and the Natolans said, oh, you can have a little bit more land, that's fine, and the Anselmi were like, ha 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 they just gave it to us, we're just gonna keep asking, we're gonna take more, and ultimately the Natolans, who you know were happy to fight them if they had to, well, not happy to fight them, just, you know, that was the last resort, but we're not worried about fighting because they were all skilled warriors, and so they could have taken the Anselmi on if they needed to, but you know, the Anselmi ultimately said, well, fine, if you're not going to give us any more territory, then we will just conquer the land instead. And the Natolans tried to say, hey, the ocean spirit is not going to be happy about this. Of course, the Anselmi were like, yeah, right, whatever. And so the Anselmi took over the land and prospered and flourished and yet were still angry about everything and thought they deserved everything and thought, hey, you know, now that we've taken over all the land, we need more land. So they built dams to push the ocean back even. And that was the final straw for the ocean spirit. And the ocean spirit utterly wiped out their dams, ultimately wiped out the cities that they'd built on land, sank land to the floor of the sea, and so ultimately only a handful of Anselmi survivors were left after the vengeful ocean spirit had its way with them. And whatever civilization they had built up over those years while they were living on land, well, yeah, they kind of regressed basically to, as Kit Fisto had described it, you know, be a little more than savages who, you know, hunted for food and who made sacrifices to ancient spirits, hoping that they would restore all of the bountiful things that they had had in the 
past. And yeah, obviously that's not working. So anyway, that's the general gist of Vengeful Waves. Then there's the Witch and the Wookiee. And this one ties into the long-lost mobile game, Star Wars Uprising. Now, I've mentioned that game here on the podcast from time to time, and there was somebody who whose name escapes me now, and I have this tucked away in a file someplace, who had compiled all of the story elements from the Star Wars Uprising game. The game is no longer available, like you can't check it out anymore, so it's kind of a lost thing, but this one person had managed to gather all of them and throw them in a PDF document. It's something like 160 odd pages long, had posted it on the Force, um, the Force.net's forums, and I have a copy of that, like he put it out there you know, for anyone to grab and have, and it's something that I have thought about coming back to every so often, and who knows, you know, when The Rise of Skywalker comes out, there's going to be a time period when you and I will not want to be anywhere near social media because we'll all be concerned that we're going to hear something spoilery and we don't want it ruined for us. So, you know, we've done Safe Week here in the past, and sometimes Safe Week has lasted two weeks, so... I think it's possible that's one of the candidates for what to do during safe week is to look at the storyline for Star Wars Uprising and be able to talk about that safely so that way you can still have some Star Wars stuff to listen to without any concern that the Rise of Skywalker will be ruined for you in December. Another thing I'm thinking about doing is talking about the Jedi Fallen Order walkthrough at that time because in 2017 during safe week instead of talking about The Last Jedi before the movie came out we went through the walkthrough of Battlefront 2 so it would be nice to you know do that again so if you have an opinion about that then I would love to hear it wherever you happen to catch this episode that has a comment section or at sw7x7.com for this episode if it doesn't like if you're listening to it <laughs> via audio. Anyway, The Witch and the Wookiee involves Shellish, who is a night sister, and her Wookiee familiar, as he's described, a Wachi, a Wookiee who is an, you know, somebody who accompanies her. And this takes place possibly sometime during the Empire, in other words, before the events of Star Wars Uprising, at least that's how it's sort of portrayed in the story. Because it talks about the Emperor being able to, you know, in theory, see everything going on in the Empire, but being distracted by having to quell rebellions and whatnot. And so these pirates who managed to get away with a whole bunch of loot also betrayed part of their crew and had to go on the run too. And so it's a classic sort of bank robbery story where they agree to find some out-of-the-way place where they can hide their loot, the three of them, and then they'll all go their separate ways off into wild space or something. And then at an appointed time later on, come back and grab the loot because things are just too hot right now. So they end up on the moon Jass Krill, and Jass is a planet in the Hoth system, along with Hoth itself. Jass Krill is a foreboding place, a twisty, swampy, nightmarish place where as they are trying to find some sort of cave, some sort of hollow, some sort of place where they can stash the treasure and start getting lost and freaked out in the middle of the night in the woods, they come across a cottage in the middle of nowhere, very Hansel and Gretel-like, and there is a witch inside. It happens to be a night sister by the name of Shellish, and they take advantage of her generosity. She feeds them and gives them drink, you know, but they look around and there's tons of treasure in her house, and they're like, how did this all get here? 
well, there's more treasure here than is on our ship, so why don't we just kill this old lady and take her treasure and then we can store our treasure in here along with her treasure. But that doesn't go so well as you might imagine. And I mean, really badly because they, you know, at least they managed to escape with their lives, but that's only because the Night Sister Shellish calls off the Wookiee Owachi. He would have just torn the heck out of him, torn limb from limb, as it's described in the book. But ultimately, the Dathomirian Night Sister is able to use her magic to somehow steal the treasure from out under the pirates' noses. And so, yeah, she ends up getting more treasure, which it seems like this is something that she's done with quite a few pirates who have strayed in her path, I would imagine. Again, I'm unfamiliar with the character except to know that she was part of Star Wars Uprising, so maybe that fits in with her personality. Maybe it doesn't in the game. I don't know. We'll find out maybe later this year when we dig into Star Wars Uprising. And then there's Gaze of Stone, which connects to another Kevin Scott story and a more adult one by comparison. I'll explain after the break. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Constant Contact, the premier email marketing solution for small businesses and organizations. I've used their service since 2003, and over the past decade and a half, I've watched them evolve, make the product simpler, more powerful, easy to use, and do everything that they can to help train people to use the product more effectively and for it to work with other forms of marketing like social media, for example. So. Check out sw7x7.com slash email to learn more about Constant Contact and start a free trial. Once again, that is sw7x7.com slash email for a free trial. Welcome back. So Gaze of Stone is also one of my favorite stories in this whole thing, and it talks about a Twi'lek statue on the planet Moraband, aka Korriban, as it was known in days of yore. This is, of course, the Sith homeworld, and this statue has been there for many, 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 many years, and nobody knows what the deal is with it. Some people have even seen it weeping a single dark tear from time to time, and so all sorts of stories have grown up around it, but Myths and Fables purports to tell us the story of who this person was and how he came to be encased in stone. And encased is actually the correct phrasing in this place, horrific as it may be. It concerns the story of a Twi'lek named Rai Nimbus who was... Definitely very strong in the Force when he was young, but not in a good way. And ultimately, some traveler comes by and manages to convince Rai's mother that he can be trained in the Force and that this you know person traveling says, I, you know, I can help out with this. And I guess it must have been time where, hey, just anybody can show up and say, oh, you know, that kid's strong in the Force. We take Force kids. And people just did it, right? Um, again, that's sort of taking it literally, and yes, we're not supposed to take these two literally, but you get what I mean. Anyway, it turns out that this traveler was not necessarily a nice person. It was, in fact, Darth Kaldath. And Darth Kaldath was a character that was also briefly mentioned in the Dooku Jedi Lost audio drama from Kevin Scott. So apparently, Kevin Scott and George Mann got to talking from time to time, and managed to tie their stuff together. At least this is according to an interview on StarWars.com. So that's good fun seeing those connections happen. 
And so Darth Kaldath said, hey, I'm going to train you, and then actually dropped Rai off on a planet where he was basically forced to become a pit fighter and have a horrible life. But naturally, because he was so strong in the Force, he managed to become a great fighter and survive. And seven years later, Kaldath comes and picks him up. And once Rai recognizes who Kaldath is, he attacks him, but... Nope, that doesn't work because Kaldith is, of course, the master in this case and even cuts off one of Rai's leku, one of his head tails, to say, hey, I'm putting you in your place and now I'm ready to train you for reals. And so they go off together and have all sorts of adventures. But eventually, as happens with Sith, they you know start to not get along too well and Nimbus thinks that Kaloth is holding back information from Nimbus that could help him grow and is starting to get jealous and resentful and tries to figure out a way to get back at Kaloth and probably take his place as master and end up getting his own Sith apprentice. So there is a time where they go to Moraband and Kaloth says to Ryan Nimbus, hey, make me a statue and not in the, not in the classic way like, Boom, you're a statue. No, not like that. No, construct a statue of me so that way people can bow down and worship me and see how awesome I am. Well, it turns out that there was some alchemical ritual that Nimbus could have chanted that would have turned his master Darth Kaladith to stone, would have turned his skin to stone and made him be frozen for eternity, trapped in that living nightmare. But Kaladith apparently suspected this one saw was coming and very sneakily changed the wording in the ritual so that way when Nimbus recited it, it wasn't Kaladith that turned to stone, it was actually Rai Nimbus himself. And these three stories all seem to have a bit of a common theme, if you will, as well. And that is about the nature of greed and about how nothing goes right when you succumb to it. Whether it's the Anselmi who were greedy and jealous over the success of the Natolans and just wanted more and more and more and couldn't be satisfied and didn't respect the balance that had previously existed, right? Or the pirates in The Witch and the Wookiee who you know, could have just been happy with the treasure that they'd had, but they got greedy and tried to get Shellish's treasure as well, and obviously that didn't work out for them. Or you have Rhynimbus, who was greedy for more power and thought that his master was withholding from him, which he probably was anyway, but thinking that, all right, you know, I've had it, I'm going to you know, take away from him what is his, yeah, greed, never the answer, and it doesn't seem to matter whether you're just generally good, like the Anselmi were generally good until they started getting unhappy with things, or whether you're scoundrels like the pirates, or whether you're just straight up evil like the Sith. Though I have to say, it's kind of hard to feel sympathy for Rai Nimbus, per se, all things considered. And also, the other moral of that story is never read an ancient ritual that you don't understand, because you don't know what you're going to get yourself into, quite literally. And that is going to wrap up our discussion of Star Wars Myths and Fables by George Mann. And that's going to wrap up our episode here today as well. Thank you so much for joining me for it, as always. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. 
This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other related Star Wars items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2019 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.